What up, my homies? Are you ready to take that exhaustion, that feeling of being completely overwhelmed and transform it into the rocket fuel for your confidence? Well, guys, guess what? I'm freaking ready too. And today, this is a no-holds-barred Instagram Live Q&A session with me, and I'm being raw on what the true journey to success and confidence actually looks like. And guys, let me tell you, it's not all freaking glitz and glam. It's gritty and sometimes downright uncomfortable. But it's crucial, guys. But it's absolutely crucial for me to share these moments that are far from fabulous. So if you're ready to flip the script on overwhelm, kiss burnout goodbye, and level up your game, keep it locked and loaded here on Women of Impact. And you guys can always join me by following me on IG and setting notifications so you can come and ask your questions. Don't hold back, guys. Drop in your questions. Get the conversation started and let's freaking rock this journey together. Let's go. Hello, everyone. What's going on? How's everyone doing? Want to know where everyone's calling in from? Calling in? Uh, joining me from, I should say. What up, everybody? Today's going to be an interesting IG live. It's going to be interesting, people. Let's wait for some people to join. Let me know where you're joining from. Up, everybody. What up? Samaha, I, I can never pronounce you guys. Oh, guys, the name. I'm so bad at this. I'm a nerd with everyone joining from India. What up, India? How's everything going? My bouts in India. I'm curious. Hello. Oh, lots of people from India. What's going on? Got a big crowd from India. California. My girl. What's up with this freaking weather? Lame. Came to LA for warm. No warm. My sweater on today. So for everyone to join. Ah, all right. What's up, everybody? Today's going to be a very interesting and different IG live. The reason being is, dude, I am so damn fatigued already. And the reason is, is I've had issues. So I don't know if you've been watching my IG live, uh, sorry, my IG stories, but man, for the last seven days, I have been basically horizontal because my gut has been hurting me so much unless I've been working. And I'm going to be answering questions. So I just want to give a bit of context. But guys, drop in the questions in that little question box down below, the little question box. Um, and I'll be answering questions, but I just wanted to kind of, my energy isn't what it, it, it usually is. And again, I just want to give context because I think in these moments where we have so much work, so many things to do, January, we're questioning our goals, burnout's real. And my gut, I ate some, in case you don't know, I ate some pepperoni accidentally that ended up, nitrate free, of course, but it ended up being three months old. And that was on Friday. I have been in agony ever since. And so how do I manage my health? How do I manage all the work that I have? How do I manage responsibilities? How do I manage things and my own self-esteem, my own uh, confidence? Probably you guys are here because you know, like I talk about confidence. In these moments, I don't feel freaking confident at all. And so instead of judging myself of not feeling the confidence, show your feet. <gasps> I actually will show my feet because I've got Wonder Woman socks on because that was part of what I was going to say. How do we keep showing up? And you probably don't mean it like that, but anyway, um, so how do you show up when you feel like everything's really, uh, when you're struggling, when you feel overwhelmed, when you have so many responsibilities, what do you do and how do you interact with people and how do you keep showing? So I, number one, I just want to say, give yourself a break. And actually, I'll show you my socks later. Um, number one is give yourself grace. Give yourself grace that right now you may be in a healing project, maybe in an evolution, you may be in a situation that doesn't um, really energize you. Give yourself the grace, number one. Number two, don't just stay or wallow in that. Oh, sorry. Yeah, my mic. Uh, don't just stay and wallow in that feeling bad. I take the moment, I took like a day and I was just, I feel shitty. I don't feel great. 
and I just allowed myself to feel it. But like today, I was like, I got an ID life. I'm not freaking can't really. No way. Like that gave me energy, but I can't burn out. So what did I do? I'm going to give you a couple of tips of what I did this morning. Number one, a shirt for Christmas from a girl flaming. Love. And it's pink. So I wanted to wear color because I think that when I see myself in the mirror, color makes me feel better about myself. Love. I wanted to bring the energy of the heart. I actually don't have that like arsery that I usually have. And that's okay. So I'm going to bring some love. So I do little, little things that actually allow me to start feeling better about myself. I don't judge myself. I just do little steps. And like this morning, I snapped to my husband, my poor husband. He's probably not watching because he doesn't watch on my IG lives. But I snapped to him this morning. Now, I don't, I try not to take on that. I try not to take on the blame or the shame for doing that. I just go, Lisa, why did you do that? Okay, number one, your gut is in disarray. If your gut's in disarray, then you don't feel great about yourself because you haven't eaten. I've been fasting for like 23 hours at a time. And all I've been breaking my fast with is bone broth. So I just gave myself the place. And like, of course, your emotions are going to be all over the place. Just make sure that you pause the next time you speak to your husband so that you don't have an emotional uh, situation that you then have to go and apologize for. So I don't beat myself up. I used to. And that used to actually make me feel worse. And then the last thing is I did wear Wonder Woman socks. I don't know if you can actually see. I did wear Wonder Woman. Take them off. Good. I wore Wonder Woman socks today, guys. Well, I'm doing socks. So those are the little tips that I do in moments where I just weep and I just move on. What well, it was a phrase like, uh, like put on your love sweater and carry on, whatever it is. Um, so anyway, those are tips of how I show up every day, even when I don't feel it. I don't have that badass energy today, and that's okay. You, I've been doing so many hormone interviews with. Uh, I actually just dropped one with my girl Mindy Hell, and she like women have hormones. Women have a cycle. Now know when to really can go after it in your cycle and know when to ease off. And so just knowing your body, understanding it, give yourself break, and then having tools to not stay there is exactly how I keep showing up every day. And then even today, I was like, I don't have the energy to do my hair. And I was like, screw it. Why why do you care? Like if I don't care. Like if you guys don't want my hair, I don't care. I don't feel like it. I actually just gave myself the grade to turn up look like this i'm looking a bit shiny actually i think it's in the light in here um but you anyway. know all right so i'm gonna actually now answer questions hopefully that was useful to you guys drop in uh, some questions at the bo- bottom um so i can do the little stickers but i'm also trying to read your comments as i go as well it's a little difficult though especially because i i cannot really focus much today so to read and talk is actually a little difficult for me and i think this not to diminish myself i actually just say it to give myself the grades i'm like yeah Lisa, you're you're running on empty right now you can't put a car on a motor on a track right and expect it to go at full speed if the gas tank is empty so right now i'm just a little my gas tank is a little empty so i'm just showing up the best i can and that's all i can do let's answer some questions um kind of covered it a little kind of covered it thank you for the question drop them in the little question guys it's actually easier for me to kind of like read the question and then you guys can follow along if you're in the middle of doing something and what question was. So are you feeling? So I have just been going on. Okay, what do I know? What do I, who do I know? Who can I like actually reach out to? And if you guys don't have anyone that I'm very fortunate to be able to reach out to my friends who are amazing doctors who know about the guts and my girl, Mindy Pels, has really been helping me. But if you don't know, like start reading. Like knowledge is so powerful. Knowledge is power. So what I do is I take the knowledge and then I test it on myself. 
because I don't think that I'm like everybody else. Like we're all individuals, just like our fingerprints and our like our retinas. Um, they uh, they are all absolutely uh, one of a kind. And so I say my gut is one of a kind. So what knowledge can I bring on? What knowledge can I take on? And then how do I listen to my body? Because I never used to. I just used to listen to doctors. How do I listen to my body? So a couple of things that I was doing, in case you're interested, I just bought them. I am not sponsored by them at all, guys. Um, and I, if you guys are listening, I may be sponsored. But no, seriously, I'm not sponsored by them. But um, So uh, Dr. Mindy Pals told me to take these. So these are detox enzymes, and they help the debloat, cleanse, and digest. So I've been taking two of these every, uh, I started off every couple of hours. Now I'm down to like uh, three times a day. I'm taking these in case you guys want to know. And then if you have gut issues, also I'm taking this. So this is actually one of the things, again, sponsored guys. So, you know, take it for what you will. But um, this I started to take like about five years ago. And this was actually really helpful in healing my gut lining. So in case you don't know my story, I've had massive gut issues for seven years, been really struggling part of my journey. How do I help fix myself? How do I pay attention to myself? How do I do self-care? That's very important for us. Um, and this was one of the things I used to take. And I actually stopped because I was feeling much better. But now that I've got gut issues again, I am now on it, back on it. So that's just in case you guys want to know what that is. It is so it says it's a brain booster. It's a gut strengthening liquid, uh, toxin and allergen protection, and microbiome and immune support. So that's what I've been taking. And then the last thing I would say is, I've been on a carnivore diet. So I've been either taking, and again, nothing to vegan if you're upset, I don't say any other on carnivore diet. But for me, it has always helped me just pure fatty meat. So, uh, so and I've been drinking bone broth like nobody's business. All right. And I'm trying to read comments. Broth, yeah, broth is, has been a lifesaver. So I've been mixing it between beef and uh, chicken. And I've always made sure that it's organic, guys, because again, but have like the, the cleanest meat possible. I now I'm going to answer more question. Um, <laughs> questions do I wish people would ask me? That's the thing. Questions do I wish people would ask me? To be honest, anything that you guys are struggling with that I can bring value because that's why I show up is to actually bring value. So, but I enjoy talking about, uh, what do I enjoy talking about? Fashion, uh, food, health, relationships, business, confidence. But I think of confidence as being almost the top umbrella. Um, okay. Okay. All right. How can we tackle the competition and expectations pressure? Um, I think she's calling me a man, so thank you. Um, how can we tackle the competition and expectations? Okay, so this is really important. The expectations, I would actually just sit and write what you feel those expectations are. You've got to like put them down on paper. So expectation number one, uh, my, the expectation from, and, and actually I'd put who it's from, the expectation from my father is to get married and have children. My expectation uh, to, to be a mother is from my mother and my father and my friends and, 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 and. And now you can just start to assess what all the expectations are and who they're coming from. Now that you've got that, I want to write next, I want you to write next to it. And ask yourself, does that align with what you want? And it has to be yes or no. Does it align with what you want? So now, if it was expectation, have children, who expects it? 
father, mother, do, does that align with who you are? No. All right. Now at least you've laid out all the expectations and then how you feel about those expectations. So then the next step that I would do is take one by one. And if every time, if you put no next to it, I would address it. So what I did with me and uh, my, I think my mom's actually watching. And um, what I actually did with my mom is I just said, okay, I've decided I don't want children, but I'm getting so much pressure and expectation from my mom who just wanted to be a grandmother. I mean, God bless the woman. She wasn't doing it to be mean. She just wanted to be a grandmother. But it didn't align. Every time I would show up, every time I would talk to her, the first like words out of her mouth was just like, can you have kids? And so what I realized was I need to articulate. I need to tell her, hey, mom, I love you more than life itself. I know you want to be a grandmother, but it doesn't actually, I don't want children. And so please, I would like to ask that you never ask me that again because it makes me uncomfortable. It makes me nervous about being around you because I'm just waiting for the question to arrive. So now I'm articulated to the person that has the expectation of me that I'm no longer going to do that. Now, here's the thing. My mom is the most, like literally the most amazing human on the planet. So she was very sweet and she had to mourn herself. She had to go through her own process of realizing she was no longer going to be a grandmother from her daughter. But ultimately, I think the thing was is that she could have come back and said, well, that's ridiculous. Women have to be mothers, right? So there were other instances where someone's not going to reciprocate you saying, now, what do you do? This is where boundaries come in, guys. Boundaries, boundaries, boundaries. If you decide that every time I'm with that person, they keep crossing that boundary, you have a choice. You have a choice. And I, it really freaking drives me nuts. Sorry, I'm being really in this It really drives me nuts when people say they don't have a choice. Yes, you do. You just don't like the choices. So we had this question once, actually, where somebody said, um, it was something like, oh, hey, I'm really struggling because I've just had a baby. And, you know, I'm really, really in, you know, um, enjoying my child, but I actually really love my business and I, I'm an entrepreneur and I own my own business. And so I'm really working out how I split my time between being a mother and, you know, working my business. So then she said, her dad comes over every evening and he sits down at dinner with her and starts complaining about that she's not a good mother because she doesn't pay attention to her child. So I start to ask her a bunch of questions and I say to her, well, if your dad comes over every evening and you told him, please don't say this and he keeps doing it. Why do you keep inviting him over? So she goes, well, he's got a key. And I was like, okay, then tell him, change the locks or ask him to take the key back because right now you have to protect yourself. You have to do it in a nice way. I'm not saying you go in like a bull in the china shop, but you go up to him and you say, hey, dad, I love you so much. I really want to have dinner with you every day. But right now, I cannot. Um, I cannot emotionally manage. I'm very okay with saying I cannot emotionally manage the fact that you keep asking me these questions. And so if you're going to continue, I'm so sorry, just for now, I can't have dinner with you every night. And so I said, take the key. And that's why I have to take the key away just for now. I love you. I have no reflection how I feel about you. Guess what her response was? I can't do that. There's no way. I was like, yes, you can. You just choose not to. And here's the thing. That's fine. I'm not here to judge. I'm not here to tell you what you should and shouldn't do. But I am here to freaking rip off those blinders so that you actually see that you have a choice. You just don't like the choices. That's fine. But acknowledge the other choice. So when it comes to expectations, when it comes to the pressure, if you have a, uh, a list of how you approach it, like I've just given you an example, you have now a choice. 
You have a choice to either say it to them or you have a choice not to. You have a choice to say it to them and they push back and you relinquish or you have a choice to stand your ground. But in, I think it's the most empowering thing I can possibly say is that you have a choice in whether you set those boundaries and stick to them or not. Now, in regards to competition, that, that, that I'm going to be honest, that's just on you. How I think, and I used to feel this as well, and I mean it's utter freaking compassion, really truly. I used to absolutely feel competition with other people. And it used to make me feel so badly about myself. But the truth was, the truth was that I was just insecure. And so anyone else that was outperforming me made me feel badly about myself. But now, you better freaking believe, I love the healthy competition. I've got some of my, my best homies on the planet. I'm technically in competition with them because we somewhat do the same thing. But you better believe, I admire them. I respect them. I look up to them. I look at what they're doing learn from them so I try to take away I, I look at the competition as a healthy competition because it's propelling me forward it's not actually holding me back and feeling bad about myself and I think that that's the difference between jealousy and envy because one can actually break you and make you feel really bad about yourself and the other one can actually go oh wow they can do it I can do it too so that's all about how you think about it and how you approach the people around you if you have big beautiful, incredible, audacious dreams for your online business, but you actually lack the confidence in your ability to then actually make it happen. And I promise you, my homie, and I say this with all the love and compassion in my heart, your company will never get where you want it to go. I've been there, guys. In Growing Quest, I had to face myself every day. I didn't know what I was doing. And I really wish that I had Shopify at the time. Because when you choose to grow your business with Shopify, you have everything you need to make your dreams a reality. Now, Shopify is an all-in-one global commerce platform that helps you at every stage of your business from launching your business to hitting a million dollars shopify has got you completely covered and with their incredible magic ai award-winning customer service and the internet's best converting checkout you literally have everything you need to make all of your amazing businesses dreams a reality and that's exactly why i adore and love shopify if you're serious about growing your freaking badass business and you want to build your confidence and have faith then shopify is here for you so go over right now and sign up for just one dollar a month with your trial period at shopify.com slash lisa all lowercase guys again that is go to shopify.com slash lisa right now to grow your business no matter where you are and what stage it's in one more time that's shopify.com slash lisa you won't regret it help have a look i'm answering questions guys so drop them in the little question box that if you're uh, walking around or doing your hair or, you know, on the drive and you miss what the question is, you can look back. The question is, hopefully not when you're driving them. Ken touched on it a little earlier, but what do you do when you feel overwhelmed? All right, take a deep breath. I actually feel my heart, like this is a lot when I feel But take a deep breath and I actually tell myself, Lisa, it's only in your control. It's in your control. Now, what I mean by that is, why are you getting overwhelmed? Stop writing down. Write down everything. Write down why you're getting overwhelmed. What are the things in your life right now that's overwhelming you? And I write my list. And I go, okay, how now do I start to either take things off my priority list? Like running a business, guys, there are certain things I just turn to my team. And I'm like, 
I, I just don't have the bandwidth. They're like, sorry, I can't, I can't get on this call or I can't do that or I'm going to have to push the meeting. But I just have, I go, overwhelm isn't a place where I want to stay. Definitely don't want to reside there. So I think, okay, I'm here now. Give myself the grace, but what can I do differently? So it's a looking about what you're overwhelmed and then what can you cut off? Because again, I'm going to go back to it is a choice. It is a choice. I understand that everyone hates that, but it is a choice. I, and here's the thing. I say from the most empowering place possible. I absolutely, like, I can cancel meetings. I cannot show up. Like, I, I didn't have to show up today, but I do not. I felt compelled to. I'm a person with my word, and I promised to you guys because I posted it yesterday that I was going to show up. But even in my moment of overwhelm, I just said, okay, I didn't have to show up, but do I? And so I just looked at things that I had to, t- to do today. And I said, okay, which ones are important? Okay, for me, for me, being a person of my word is the most important. So that is like why the time. So the fact that I promised I would show up today, number one, I show up. Then I look at all the meetings, speak to my team, push things off. Then today, I work out. I love working out. But I just realized sometimes, when I'm overwhelmed, working out just burns me out more. So I just, oh my God, long question there. Um, so there you go. That's basically how I deal with everyone. Hopefully that was detailed enough. Um, all right. Your skin is glowing. What is your skin routine from Tennessee? Actually, I'll let you just say, because I've just started a new skin lotion that's called One Skin. Now, I need to be honest. I am about to be sponsored by them. But hey, I tried it. I actually really like it. Glowing skin. So they are called one skin. So check them out. And thank you for your positive message. Cute. Thank you for joining and being a part of this conversation. Um, all right. Mm, a question. Uh, drop them in the little question box, guys. I'm trying to read them as I go. <laughs> all right. This question is very interesting from Bill. How can we change our bad mindset? Oh, so I actually think that the first step in asking that question is you on the path of changing your mindset. Now, I actually won't call it bad. I think I'm really focusing on language. It's very important to the language that we use because it's just a subconscious, uh, you're giving yourself a subconscious, a subliminal message, I should say. Um, and so I wouldn't say bad. I would say maybe you have a bit of a mindset right now, but I actually wrote this in my book, Radical Confidence, that um, if you have a fixed mindset and you want to get a growth mindset, that's the first step in getting a growth mindset. The fact that you recognize that you have a fixed mindset and that you want to change. So I just, I hope you're asking because this is what you want. And I just want to freaking applaud you and I don't want to brush past it. The fact that you're at, you're trying to change it. So that's actually step number one that you create like that. Step number two is, you know, you can be podca- uh, you can podcast. Uh, the book Mindset by Carol Dweck is the book. Like she was the one that coined the word growth and fixed mindset. So if you're just starting out, start there, like literally start there. And the fact that you have the willingness to do it now actually allows you to start being the student. So give yourself the grace that you're going to be, it's going to be pro, uh, process that it may take a year, two years, three years. Like I'm still on my growth mindset journey and I love it. And I don't think I'll ever stop. So I don't want you to um, uh, put a timeline to it because I think that that's going to heal your growth. Um, so that's the second thing. And then just keep being the student keep learning, keep practicing, keep putting things into practice and then having a goal. Why do you want a growth mindset in the first? Because every time your fixed mindset starts to, uh, you know, like try to like automatically override you, you have to know your, 
And I know it's kind of, we talk about this a lot now, but really, really, it's so powerful. Know your why. Why do you actually want to close mindset? Okay, number one is actually realize, Lisa, that the way that I think right now doesn't serve me because I'm not getting to my goals. Amazing. What are those goals? Well, I really want to run a marathon, build a business, you know, um, whatever that thing is. Okay, fantastic. So every time you get stuck in that fixed mindset, go, okay, give myself the grace that I'm here. Why am I doing it? I really want to run that marathon. Okay, put your trainers back on and start running the mile. So it's just that practice of it. And so you're going to have to be the student and you're going to have to soak in as much knowledge as you humanly possibly can. Let's have a look at some questions. All right, I'm not sure I understand this question, but I thought I'd bring it up anyway. This is from Shelley. How to focus on managing and financial planning money for women? I'm not sure if you mean yourself. Like, how do you focus on it um, to manage and financially plan? But, um, or if you want to empower other women to do this, I'm just going to take it from a personal standpoint. Um, I just sit back and I say, okay, what am I trying to achieve? What does that look like? From that? Like, I'm so detailed and goal-oriented. So you have to know what your goal is. So financial planning, why are you doing it? Okay, because I want to make sure that when I'm 60, I've got enough savings so that I can possibly retire. Great, now you've got your wife. Okay, what does it look like? How much money do you actually need in your bank when you're 60? Remember inflation, so if you're 20, you've got to like make sure that you bake that into your numbers. But when you're 60, how much money do you want to have saved? So let's say you even say $500,000. All right, cool. You want $500,000 by the time you retire. You're 23. How much do you think you may need to save? And maybe that's it, right? Maybe it's a saving thing. Um, maybe it's you want to invest. Okay, well, if you have interest in the stock market, I'm not a stock market person, so I'm actually not recommending that at all. But take that back, Lisa, take that back. Um, property. Okay, I'm not into the property market, but you can see what I'm saying, right? There are different ways you can invest, but here's the thing with that sort of thing. Little risky. So I'm actually uh, a little risk-averse when it comes to that sort of thing for some reason. I'm actually not risk-averse for other things, but for that, for some reason, because I, it, it's so hard for me to know, right, is the mark, property market going to go up? Now, typically it has, but mm. you can see how I just break things down into what do I need, what actually has to be true in order for me to have to save $500,000 within, within 30 years, let's just say, whatever that number is. And I play the game. No bullshit. What would it take? No bullshit. What would it take for you to do that? And then you actually have to lay out what would it take. Okay, it means that, you know what, that once a month, uh, like splurge that I go on, but maybe I buy myself some makeup, maybe I buy myself some clothes. Um, that once a month splurge, okay, I can only do now once every three months. Because I've calculated that in order for me to save X, Y, and Z for this long, I actually can't be living the same lifestyle that I've, I've got now. Amazing. That's when you play. That's how you play. No BS, what would it take? Now, you have to ask yourself, is that the life I want? Because you don't want to be surprised when you're 60. So you say, is that the life I want? Maybe you say no. Maybe you say, I really like splurging once a month. That's for me, and I don't want to change it. Amazing. Then you have to look at where you're going to be when you're 60. You're not going to hit the $500,000 mark. You may hit 1000 Are you okay with that? Take off the blinders when it comes to this type of financial planning. Be so damn real with yourself about what it would take, what actual numbers don't live in la-la land or wish land. I hope that I get a job that, that pays me this much because if I did, then I would get that. That isn't concrete enough. You don't have that job yet, 
if you're going for it and you get it, then you can readjust your numbers. Answering some questions. Um, hello to Earthling, who's 14. What up, homie? Here. Yeah. Um, answering questions, guys. Hi to everybody. Um, come to India for a meet and greet, please. Oh, I'd love to go to India. I um, It's just so far. I kind of need like a real solid like week if I'm going to come of like planning or what I'm going to do. Um, but you'd love for me to sign your book. Oh, that's so sweet. If I do come to India, obviously, I will very much announce it. Hello from Kenya. Um, can we talk about ADHD tips? Thank you. Yes, ADHD. So um, if you've been following me for a while, you may have seen, I think it was maybe last May, Mental Health Awareness Month, I interviewed my girl Mel Robin. And we were talking, so I'm very good friends with her, and she's openly spoke about ADHD. And so as I'm interviewing her, you can actually go check it out on with him. Oh, no, actually, it's in Spotify. Sorry, that was an exclusive for Spotify, because Spotify and what's that. Um, but I interviewed her, and she talked about her ADHD. And I was like, yeah, yeah. what are you talking about? Like, the, the symptoms sound very similar to what I have. And she looks at me, and she's like, oh, my God, you so push got ADHD. You need someone else to tell you that? So... I didn't, it's harder to see within yourself sometimes. I didn't really know the symptoms. I didn't really know how to address it. So, the, the, and there's a difference between being like scatty and then having ADHD. So, anyway, I then went to my, my friend, Dr. Heyman, and he scanned my brain. And the first thing he said was, you have ADHD. And you know what's crazy? This is really, it's, it's enlightening. I was going to say upsetting, but it's more enlightening. I felt better about myself I felt better about myself that a doctor told me I actually was clinically had ADHD. Then I could just tell myself, Lisa, you, the, the, the scanniness that you feel may be ADHD and that's okay. Like it was weird. It was weird that I had to have a doctor tell me that to make me feel okay with having it. And it was, like I said, it was very enlightening. First of all, I was actually beating myself up. I was like, Lisa, how could you have fallen for that? How could you have fallen for the trap that you need someone else to tell you? Right? It's the validation thing. It's almost like I need to be validated by a doctor for them to tell me that there's a condition that I have that I kind of already knew. And so it, I really had to process it. And I actually said to myself, don't, don't beat yourself up because that was my instinct. I was like, I believe that. I fell for it again. Like I balanced the clock. How did I fall for this again? Don't beat yourself up. Just acknowledge it that it happened. And then say, you know, look, figure out how you're going to actually change and what you're going to do in order to help your ADHD. So don't judge yourself, just what can you do? So the thing is, actually joke, kind of hashtag joke, no joke, that we all, like, people who have ADHD, like, that, like, has a little scale of how much ADHD you have that day so that people can give you the grace. Um, or, like, a, a button that says, um, sorry, I'm late, I have ADHD. So I kind of just go into the joking side of it to try and like make it lighthearted because I don't want to feel badly about it, but I shouldn't feel badly. So that's where I'm like, I know you see in real time how I function. It's like, why do I don't feel badly? Well, why you should you feel badly? What feeling? The internal dialogue is so strong, so strong. So that's the process that I've done. I've kind of made a joke about it, and now I just give myself a break. And what I've realized is, having ADHD, I go, okay, there, this superpower, right? It's, a, it's what allows you to do all the different things that you do, but also it could be your kryptonite. So how do I make sure that my ADHD isn't my kryptonite and is just my superpower? So what I do is what I know about myself. 
I know that I get static. When do you get static? When you've got so many things coming at you. Okay, how do I organize the things that are coming at me so that I can actually wake up in the morning and have something that I can get going? And that's my calendar. It's just for me, but that has been my life saver. Like my husband, he just laughs at me. He's like, how the hell do you, like, he's like, this gives me anxiety just looking at it. And I'm like, interesting. It actually alleviates my anxiety. So that's number one. Number two, when then when people come to me, say, Lisa, I need a meeting. Oh my God, you got to do it. And I was like, check, go to my calendar, go to my calendar, go to my calendar. So I just have a phrase that I now say that allows me to just kind of like block, block all the things that are coming at me. It's been really helpful. And then I realized that my ADHD actually gets worse when I've had lack of sleep, when I'm malnutrition, when um, I'm getting busier. And so how do I, and so you have to be very aware of that. How do you make sure that you're getting great sleep? How do you make sure that you're getting nutrition? Um, so yeah, those are a couple of little tips that I've done uh, in regarding um, me having ADHD and the things that I'm learning all along the way. But the more I hear about it, the more I learn about it, um, it's actually crazy how many of us have it. And then also the last thing that Mel Robbins was telling me, which was super fascinating when I was interviewing her, is that she was saying how um, ADHD actually shows up differently in men and women. And it's kids the uh, boys they um adhd is when they're just like running around and jumping on the sofas and like screaming and yelling and like you know like being being like like the naughty boy right that's like the adhd and so the boy actually in girls it can actually come out and i'm not sure how much, i haven't done my, my research again i'm just kind of like trying to uh, remember the things that my robin told me but it was like in, i think in girls it actually shows up in different ways so girls may actually but the ADHD may uh, may come out in different forms, and the problem is is that people don't recognise it as men and girls because I'm gonna say it, and sorry, I hate to be gender specific, but growing up as a female, I can only speak for myself that I was very much told like girls should only speak when spoken to. I've been patted on the head more times than I can even remember. So uh, girls are treated differently than boys, and so with, when girls have ADHD, the symptoms aren't shown as the same, so we don't actually get the same treatment right if a boy is running around you know, that try to help them whereas if a girl is um quiet and that they're, they're just not articulating because they're kids and they don't know um that they go untreated so um that's just a bit of knowledge that i have um all right i uh and then all right i'd love to know how you and tom got together I'm going to just say this was uh, 2000. So this would never, now, I didn't state that this was 2000, but I had to film, I went to film school, Tom went to film school. Uh, after my film school, my friend gave me a brochure and it was for the New York Film Academy. And I was like, oh, okay, I really want to go. You get to go to America, you get to go to Los Angeles, you get to film on the back lots of Universal Studios. And it would just sound like amazing excitement. And I was there, it was going to be an Asian course. So I was like, oh, great. That's what I did my dad. I've got this whole story, by the way, in my book, Glad to Good Confidence, because I talk about how you build the confidence to say no, to, uh, to push back when someone says no and things like that. But so I go to America, I go into um, my first class, and Tom was my teacher. But that's why I say it wouldn't happen. But it was a school for adults. Let me just say that as well. I don't want to take my poor husband's reputation. But uh, it was a school for adults. And so for the first month, he was just my teacher and I was in utter awe. And I would just stare at him and be, you know, in like Google eyes, whatever you call it. And then the last four weeks, <laughs> people are like, what? 
<laughs> I know it's kind of a, such a funny story. So then the the second week, uh, sorry, the last four weeks was we were no longer having classes. We were just in practice. So you had the first week to classes, and then the second, uh, sorry, four weeks of classes. The second four week is just making your movie. So on the last day of him being my teacher, he hinted to me that he was interested. So it was like, and I was with my friend. I was like, oh, he's like, what are you doing? Tonight? I'm like, oh, we're going to the movies. Yeah, well, more than welcome to come. Here's my number, right? It was very kind of casual. Like, he didn't call me. He didn't call me. And the funny thing is, in all the content that I do now about like relationships, there's so much where it's just like, if they don't call, then they don't call you, then screw you. Um, but he didn't call me. And so then I saw him. He's very nonchalant. I didn't show that I was bothered. I pretended I didn't even remember that I gave him my phone number. I was on the, that gave him the phone number on a Saturday, Friday. He doesn't call me over the weekend. Come on the Monday, he calls me, signs like, I'm so sorry, I didn't call you. And I found out your guys' like impressions on you this far. This is amazing. Um, and so I said to him, because, you know, I'm so sorry I didn't call you. I fell asleep. And I'm like, first of all, I'm like, you fell asleep? If anyone's seen that episode of Friends where Ross and Rachel, Ross, uh, Rachel writes that, like, what is it, like the 17 page letter front and, and it's like, you fell asleep? That was me. I was like, you fell asleep? But remember, I'm calm. I'm collective. I don't want to show him that I'm annoyed. So I'm just like, no, no problem. I don't even remember. It's fine. And I just walked off. That night, called me. And I answered. And he said, hey, Lisa, I've actually got a movie premiere that I've got to go to because my friend got a movie release. Would you like to come? So I said, yeah. And he picks me up. And this is, I'm like really dragging out the story. It's such a fun story to tell. So you guys tell me if you're bored or not. I'm just like reading your comments. It seems like everyone's interested. So, um, so he picks me up and I've taken two hours to get ready i've got my hair done i've got my tight pants on i'm looking really fly i feel really good i open the door and he's just in his work clothes and it's always a non a new york film academy t-shirt so you used to wear them <laughs> i love that it's amazing so he shows up in his freaking work clothes now here's the thing i was very much used to coming from north london greek orthodox it was all about your car your rims your cologne um and then your designer that was just the wife I was used to. And it's right. That's just the wife I was used to. So when I opened the door and he's just in his work clothes, I was like, oh. Like, it was what I was used to. I was like, but I'm like, fine, whatever. He came from work. So we go to his car. And again, remember, I just said, I'm used to guys that show off. Right? It's like that, that like, you know, the peacock with the feathers that is like the, the calling card. It's like back in North London, if anyone of London people are here, you probably know this, right? It was all about the cars and the rim. So I'd walk to his car and he's got this really, really old man Buick. Like really old and it's dusty and his car door doesn't even work. And his back seat is like literally, I call it like it was like public storage. He had like a whole chunk in his car and he didn't care. And I was like almost amazed by the fact that he didn't care. So I'm like, okay, well, this is interesting. And then he opened our door for me. Opened the car door for me. Chivalry. I was 21 when I met him. And not once, not once did somebody open the car door for me on the date. And when he opened the car door, I was like, this man. He's got this really shitty car that I totally judged him for, which I wouldn't now trust. But I did at the time. I was young and naive. And yet he opened hard door and I was I was like wow, a gentleman 
to them and go out to dinner. Where does he take me? I'm used to these beautiful restaurants. He takes me to a, a strip mall Chinese restaurant with a B on the window, a B rating. Now, for anyone who doesn't live in America, I didn't know what B rating is. But just to give you context, when you have a restaurant, you get rated for a health inspection. A is you're golden. B is you're really bad and you're about to get shut down. C is you get shut down. So he takes me to a B restaurant. And again, I was used to being wine and dine. And he's like, oh, I love the food here. And he seems so excited over the food. He genuinely liked the food. And so I sit down, but it's a rip in the chair. And I know the story is really long enough. I just love to tell the story. So again, I'm just going by your reaction. It doesn't look like you guys are getting bored. The second you're bored, I'm going to stop. And he's like a rip in the chair. He's like the laminated menu. And he was sunny. Sunny. We started to talk. And he's like asking me all these questions that no one's ever asked me before, but they had genuine interest in who I was. He was actually asking me why I believed in God, not to challenge me, because he was truly interested. He asked me uh, if I was born, not because he was trying to hit, because he was truly interested. And it was the most bizarre dinner date I'd ever had. And so I was so motivated by him. By the end of the night, I was like, screw the bad car, screw the being restaurant. He was so beautifully authentic. He was so intrigued by who I was. He was such a gentleman. He paid for the bill. He opened the car door. I'm traditional like that. I have no problem saying that out loud. And he was, he was just such a gentleman. And so what I realized in that moment is all of these things that I judge people. Someone's asking, Paul? Yes, he asked me on the first date, people. On the first date. And I'm not as confident as you see me now. So I was like, I'm going to you that. I like, what do I say? Do I say yes? Do I lie? I don't even know what to say. But it was the moment that he was actually asking me genuinely that was intriguing enough to be like, no one's actually shown interest like And he's okay with you telling me this. And he took to his plate. I told him I wasn't going to sleep with him. I made that very clear out front. So we went to his plate. And over time, because we really connected, like we spent like so many hours together. He turned out, he said, oh, yeah, I write poetry. I'm sorry. Now, do you guys know who Tom is? And you've seen him on camera. He's very aggressive. He's very, like, masculine. He's very, like, Ugh. And he's like, oh, yeah, I write poetry. And I was like, you, I'm so, so fascinated. So I was like, do you mind reading me some of your poetry? He's like, no, not at all. So he's, like, reading me his poetry. He's talking about the Tao Te Ching. He's talking about, like, Lanzu. He, uh, yeah, Lanzu. And, like he's just talking about all these amazing things. So, you know, so that was my first date with my husband. Now, we literally thought it was going to be a summer fling. I was like, he's so freaking hot. I'm so attracted to him. He's so amazing. I was like, I, um, this is so fun. I know that when I'm 70 years old, I'm going to tell the tale to my grandkids about how I had this really hot fling with this one American dude in America that happened to be my teacher. That was what I was going on in my head. Now, Tom was in a relationship right before me, and the girl got very clear. So from his perspective, he was like, this is amazing. He's like, she has to legally leave the country because she's on a visa. So we both literally go uh, after that first day. Neither of us had any pressure because I'm like, oh, sling. And he's like, oh, she has to leave. And so every day we would go on a date. Every day, she would, he, we would be like, tomorrow. Go to the beach and go small. So it just became this thing. And when I talk about relationships and expectations, there was like this beautiful uh, um, uh, rhythm 
where neither of us has an expectation, neither of us um, had any like pressure because neither of us were actually looking for a serious relationship. And we allowed ourselves to authentically connect. And I think it was in that authentic connection that when it came to me having to leave, so this is right, so we're doing this for four weeks, right? We're like, fling, just to leave, fling, just to leave. And then after that four weeks, we do like a, uh, we go out with his, a couple of, a couple that is his friend. And we're just roasting marshmallows. We're doing s'mores. And he had a plan to go to New York. He was going to move into So he'd saved his money. He'd never been to New York before. He saved his money. He was going to go to New York two weeks to really go and see it. And he turns around his friend goes, hey, so, uh, you know, what are you going to do when we leave? And he turns around and he's like, I'm going to go visit her in London. And I looked at him and he go, and he just smiled. And he's like, the money I've been saving to New York, he's like, I just have to come see you. But two weeks later, guys, two weeks later, he gets a passport. And because he hasn't traveled international, he gets his mum's pink suitcase. Like, how cute his pink suitcase? He didn't have a suitcase. And two weeks later, he books a flight, comes to England, stays with me and my family. And as they say, the rest is history. And that was 23 years ago. All right, that was a really long story. But if any of you guys are actually really interested in the nuance of my and Tom's relationship, I do it. Go get my book, Radical Confidence. I'm telling you guys, I, I lay this out. So I lay the story out, but I also lay out all the things that I've kind of obviously brushed past, right? All the emotional things about how you start to, um, as a woman, like when someone rejects you, how do you approach it? What do you do? How do you, in, what's the internal dialogue? And when you're in a relationship, how do you navigate that? When you're like long distance, how powerful is communication? Because remember, this is 2000. So we didn't have text messages. And I actually don't have it with me right now, but we used to, we would email each other. That was all we had. We didn't have even face, no FaceTime. So we would email each other. I would email because the time difference and good work. He would get it 24 hours later. So we were communicating in these 24 hour loops. And what I actually did, so I printed out for, as a surprise for him. All of our emails that we sent each other, I printed them out on parchment paper and as if it was like in handwriting. Um, and recently I found them and I read the first one that I had written to Tom in 2000, guys. This was 2000, December of 2000. And the first line is, Hi, Tom, as you can guess, I figured out how to email. That's how long we're talking, people. So we had to figure out communication. So when a lot of people say, like, how do you guys stay together? I think it was a, Actually, a great test, if you will, that the first two years we lived apart and we would do three months in LA, three months in London, and we would have almost like a couple of months in between. So we realized the power of communication because we were so far apart all the time. Trust, trust was a big thing. You better believe that you had to trust because you're not there all the time. It wasn't social media, so it wasn't even like you could not, I would not, I advise this. You can't even look at their Instagram or Instagram stories to actually see what they're up to. You just couldn't do it. You had to trust that they were going to be faithful. I had to trust that Tom was a person of his word and he had to trust me that I was a person of my word that I was going to be faithful. And so I think that, that those early days of high, high, high communication where I'd have to figure out when he would write an email and he'd say something that maybe rubbed me the wrong way, I'd have to communicate that it rubbed me the wrong way instead of holding on to it, holding on to it, building resentment. So we had to learn that communication right at the beginning. And then the trust, I had to just, we had to just trust each other. I was like, well, this relationship isn't going to work if I don't trust him. Even though he's, you know, 
fifty thousand miles away, however far uh, America is. And I just have to know that when he says he's going to be faithful, that he is going to be. Now, here's the thing about trust. I understand. I get it. You are leaving yourself open to being hurt. But for me, I just decided I didn't want any relationship without trust. And so even if he broke it, I'm proud of myself that I lent into the relationship and gave it the best opportunity it could have. I didn't say, I'm not going to trust because I don't want to be hurt. Now, look, this is someone who had been in a toxic relationship and hurt many times by my ex-boyfriend. So it was not like I came in like, oh my God, I'm love and nothing can go wrong. No, I was like, yeah, he can absolutely hurt me. He can rip my heart out because he's far away and I wouldn't know about it. Or maybe I would find out later and that would really upset me. But I've just decided this is the relationship that I've decided to. So I had to give him a book over. And so if you're looking, that was a really long answer. Hopefully you guys, it seemed like you guys enjoyed it. But I really do break that down in my book. And then the last thing I'll say on this matter is, maybe you guys don't know, but when my husband, Tom, went to ask for uh, um, my dad's blessing for him to marry me, my dad said no. My Greek father, God bless him, loves Tom now. But my dad said no to Tom when Tom went and asked for his blessing. And in that moment, Tom said, I respect you, but I'm still going to ask her. Now, when I found out, my dad is like my my idol. My parents really, I do idolize them so much. And I'm, well, I'm that, I was a Greek daughter that wanted to make her dad proud. So when my dad was like, hey, I don't think you should marry him, not because I don't like him. Basically, my dad was like, you come from different cultures, you're Greek Orthodox, and he's a you know, white boy from Tacoma, Washington. He doesn't know anything about your culture. He has no idea. And also, he doesn't really have a good job. And so how is he going to provide Right, because that my dad's old and traditional. I don't blame him for it. That's the way he grew up. He grew up in a tiny village in Cyprus. So I just understand where he comes from. But I had a choice. Do I listen to my dad, who I respect? I want to be proud and admire. I want to feel. I want to feel validated from my dad. But do I listen to him, or do I do what I know is best and still marry the man of my dreams? And I chose to marry the man of my dreams. So what I did though is I spoke to my dad and said, Dad, I love you more than like. I really do. And I know, like, can you actually tell me, actually, this is what I did. Can you tell me why you don't want me to marry him? And my dad was like, why is that from the same culture? I was like, okay, well, what, what are you worried about? Because we're not in the same culture. Like, I don't worry about it. What are you worried about? Because here's the thing, guys. And sometimes someone pushes, maybe there's some validation to what they're saying. So I was like, maybe there's validation to what my dad's saying. And he's like, well, how are you going to bring up your children? If he's not Greek Orthodox, how are you going to bring up your kids? You want to get married in the Greek church. He's not Greek Orthodox. You can't get married in the Greek church. You speak Greek. Is speaking Greek important? I want my, you know, I want my grandkids to be able to speak Greek to me. Are you going to be? Is he going to be okay with your kids speaking Greek? And the truth was, my dad had some valid points. Like he really did. He's like, huh, what's the time? Actually, the time when I wanted children, I was like, I do want him to be I do want him to get married in a, you know, in a church, in a Greek Orthodox church. So it just allowed me to open my eyes to. There are differences. And so if there's differences, you're going to have to navigate those differences. That's okay. Just he allowed me to take my blinders off and be like, you know, because when you like, I would have definitely had the rose colored uh, goggles, as they say, of like, I was so in love that I didn't even consider what my dad was trying to warn me. So I was very uh, uh, appreciative. And then the second thing where he was saying about the finance was, my dad came from a tiny village in the mountains of Cyprus. There was zero, there was no running water. There was no running water when my dad was born. 
So my dad went from a village with no running water. Sorry, <laughs> So my dad went from a tiny village in the mountains of Cyprus with no running water to leaving at the age of 11 to get an education. He lived by himself. So then moving to grief, then moving to England, to then working his way up the ladder, fighting, 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 to earn enough money so that he could provide for his children. So from my dad's perspective, he's like, I know what it's like to not have money. I've built, I've spent my entire life trying to provide for you. And it's difficult. And so if you marry someone that can't provide, how are you going to live? How are you going to have a roof over your head? So it actually came from the fact that he cared. Now, the truth was, I wasn't worried. I really wasn't worried. I was like, we'll figure it out. We'll both work. I don't care about money. That isn't my priority. Like, that really wasn't. I was like, I'll live in a studio apartment with my husband and I'll be very happy as long as I have. But he was, his, his, uh, his concerns were valid. And that, so to come now, circle. When I met Tom, after we realized we were right for each other, you had to go against the grain, and that's okay. And it doesn't mean you have to cut other people out of your life. It doesn't mean that you have to miss them. I actually embraced my dad's ideas and concerns, and it actually made my marriage better. And I can safely say that I'm sitting here right now, having been married to him for 21 years. And I do think a big part of it is the fact that he was able to vote, uh, articulate the problems that we may have uh, faced. So, boom. Oh. I really hope that was useful. I went so over time. I'm so into that story. So hopefully that was useful, guys. I am trying to do these IG lives as much as possible. If you liked what I just said, honestly, go check out my book, Radical Confidence. It has all the details of how um, it isn't a memoir. It is more a tips of how to build your confidence, but based around all the things that I've had to do and face in my life, very specifically about building quests, about building impact theory, about building my own confidence, about having my relationship with Tom. So if you're interested, go check out. I do do the audio audiobook, so you hear my voice. So go check that out as well. Um, and guys, if you love uh, mindset stuff, go check out my uh, YouTube show, Women of Impact on YouTube. Or if you're a podcast listener, go over to Women of Impact on podcast. You can find that obviously on Spotify or Amazon and all that good stuff. Guys, thank you so much for joining uh, me today. And I've got to say, I showed up today really tired, really low energy because of all the health issues I'm going through right now. But being with you guys, like again, like what is the thing that help keeps you energized? You guys really do. And so actually you have really helped me this morning in getting my mindset very straight and strong again. And like I said, in case you missed it at the beginning, I'm wearing the shirt love. It's in pink deliberately. I can help build my uh, mindset right now as I'm feeling super drained. And um, so I just want to thank you guys for joining me and being so sweet and kind with all the questions and the comments and the hearts and stuff. I appreciate you guys. And Christopher McDonald. What up, dude? I didn't even see you there. That is one of the most special men I've ever met in my life. If you don't, sorry, Christopher, people may stalk you now, but go check out Christopher. He's amazing. I love you, Christopher, and I miss you. All right, guys. Thank you so much for joining. Appreciate you all. Take care and have a great day. Thanks.